Goody will drive. Left-handed flush over the top of Kipnig. Pullback, step back, three. Bottom! Mavericks, it's short. Tip back in. Weaver got it. Yes! Neely, the handoff. Jones for the tie. Oh, oh he's down! And one! Presents itself with what you got to take. You can't. It's knocked away. Still loose. Doherty the heave. Oh, my God! Welcome to the Straight Out of Whack podcast. What's up, everybody? I know that I promised this episode on Sunday evening after the NFC and AFC Championship games were done. But church is in the afternoons now uh, from 1.30 to 3.30. It's pretty late. And then we, my little guy, wanted to go up to his grandparents' house uh, where we watched the NFC Championship games. So I uh, didn't get a chance to record this last night to answer your questions from the mailbag that came through. This I got quite a few questions, and I'm excited about it. There's been, there was some crazy stuff that happened this past weekend. Whack hoops, obviously at SFA. Uh, there were a couple of no calls at the end. Um, the one on Thursday was pretty blatant that they missed that. Uh, that Matt Hamish should have had two free throws. Whether or not he would have hit it, you know, doesn't matter. He still should have been given the chance. Uh, you could see Gabe McLaughlin's left hand hammered Heyman. Um, right in front of the official, too, which they didn't see. So, And then, you know, SFA didn't get a call at the end of their game against California Baptist where they were trying to come back to beat the Lancers, who had led by double figures most of the day. Um, you know, obviously there was Kyle Keller post-game rant about things that um, went through. So we won't go into that right now, and uh, we'll, we'll leave that alone. Uh there's a lot of questions. I, I, I should say there's one question about officiating. So we'll start off with that one. Uh, Melvin Bryan says, question on refs, swallowing whistles in the last 10 seconds. Is that a norm? Does that encourage defenses to be more physical on last plays? I, I don't know how to answer that. I'm not going to try. Um, I think that there's times when officials do swallow their whistles. I, I really do. And that was obvious um, in the SFA DCU game on Thursday. Do they intentionally do it? I don't know. You'd have to ask them. I can't speak for them, and I'm not going to. Uh, I don't think it's a norm, but who's to say, right? I mean, the thing is, there's been bad calls all year long. Uh, There's calls that happen. You know, there's whistles that are blown. There's whistles that aren't blown. And one side or the other is not going to be happy when a whistle is blown with three or four seconds left where it's not blown. Like, that's just part of the game. Um, It's unfortunate, especially in a game where, you know, that could be a deciding factor, right? Like, nobody likes to see it. It's just like an umpire ringing somebody up on a bad pitch in baseball or, you know, um, not calling a pitch that looks like a strike, you know, that could lead to a a walk and run or the go-ahead run on base or, you know, just something like that, right, can change the outcome. So I can't really speak to that. I don't think it encourages defense to be more physical on last plays. I don't I don't think that's it at all. I think teams want to defend. And the offense wants to try to attack and see what happens. You know, and that, that's all it is, is it's like they want to get downhill. They want to get that ball to the rim. They want to, you know, see if they get either a shot or they get to the free throw line. It works out sometimes. It doesn't work out. You know, I just can't speak to whether or not it's the norm 
for officials to swallow their whistles in those last 10 seconds or so. I, I can't speak to that. Um, you'd have to ask the officials. Anyways, um, let's go to the next question. Alan Easterling, with GCU losing a game and playing multiple close games, is GCU not as good as most thought, or are the other WAC schools better than originally thought, or both? I think it's a little bit of both. And in a sense, actually, I don't think it's a little bit of both. I think GCU is as good as we thought. I really do. If you've, <clears throat> excuse me, if you've watched these guys play, they've been down at times. They were down at Liberty. Uh, they were down at home against UT Arlington. They've trailed in other games. They've had grinded out games in whack play, and yet they've still won games. Seattle U game is the anomaly right now, right? They were down. At Stephen F. Austin, shot 30% from the field and still won the game. Okay. They were down by 15 at one point to UT Arlington, down by nine with three and a half minutes to go and still won the ball game. Actually covered the spread there too. Um, so I think they're just as good as we thought. They have big guards. Ray Harrison, Tyon Grant Foster, Colin Moore, those are big guards. And we've seen in the last few years, the teams that have the bigger guards are the teams that win at WAC Vegas, okay, and win conference championships. You just look at Utah Valley last year with Justin Harmon, Trey Darthard, uh, Tosh Small, Trey Woodbury. Like, they had bigger guards. That's what won them the league. Sam Houston, same thing. They had bigger guards that helped them be atop the league as well. Southern Utah, with the guards that Todd Simon had when he was there, Tevin Jones, Harrison Butler. Um, they had Drake Allen last year, who's 6'3. You know, so they have bigger guards. That's what's going to win you ballgames because they have length and they cause problems. That's what they did at UTA. They caused problems. You could see it. That there was a hesitancy from UTA to shoot a three at times, even though there was some space because they're afraid of getting their shot blocked. You watch Ty and Grant Foster, he'll come up behind and block shots with ease because of his length and his size. So I think they're 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 just as good as we thought. They have a target on their back that is humongous right now. One, everyone hates GCU, if we're being honest. Everybody hates GCU, okay? They have the money, they have the resources, and they flaunt it, which is fine. If I had the resources, if my school had the resources, you better believe I would be telling them to flaunt that, okay? So that's one. Two, they're leading the league. They're at the top of the league. They're the highest – rated team in Ken Palm net, whatever ranking you want to put it in the whack. So they have the target on their backs night in and night out, and everybody's going to give them their best shot night in and night out, but yet they're still winning games. Okay. So yes, I think they're as good as we thought. I think that they just, there's a lot of pressure on them right now to perform and keep the possibility of an at-large berth if they don't win at WAC Vegas alive. Right. But I do think other WAC schools are better than what we thought, too. SFA is good. A little bit of bad luck this past week. You know, they're in a whole different spot. You know, they're deep. They're, they've they've suffered some injuries, though. Losing Day-Day Hall is, is going to hurt because uh, he's one of their better scorers and kind of a glue guy. But Seattle U, you know, they beat Seattle U, who beat Grand Canyon, right? I mean, SFA is good. UT Arlington has shown that they have potential. Like, they led late against GCU both times they played them this year. Probably should have won both games. 
So, like, it's a better league than people want to give it credit for. You know, Southern Utah goes on the road and wins two games. Right? They beat Tarleton and they beat Abilene Christian on the road. Who sweeps that road trip very often? Not too many teams. Okay? Like, CBU is playing so much better than it did to start WAC play. Like, it's just a better league. Seattle U is on fire right now. So... It's just one of those things. I think it's both can be both can be true, right? GCU is as good as we thought, and the whack is better than we thought. Plain and simple. Let's go to the next question. With the commerce nearing at the halfway point, your shortlist for player postseason accolades. Well, they're right right now. I think there's three player of the year candidates. Two of them hail from GCU. And the other one is who I call a lethal lefty out of California Baptist. So I, I'm going to lean on Tyon Grant Foster and Gabe McLaughlin as, as player of the year candidates from GCU. And then Dominic Daniels Jr. from California Baptist, second in the league in scoring, a little over 18 points a game. The smallest guy on the floor, night in and night out. I mean, what can you say? He had 29 points the other night in their win um, at SFA. So, uh, you know, give this give this guard, this Juco transfer, you know, for Rick Roy and his staff. He's, he's right there in the mix. It depends kind of on where California Baptist lands. I would think that most people are on Gabe McLaughlin right now, even though Ty and Grant Foster leaves the league in scoring. Gabe McLaughlin does everything for GCU, um, and he's up to scoring average this year. So those are my three for player of the year. Newcomer of the year is going to be between Ty and Grant Foster and, and Dominic Daniels Jr. There's just whoever doesn't win player of the year is going to win newcomer of the year, plain and simple. Unless Gabe McLaughlin wins player of the year, then I think it'll be – Probably tying Grant Foster just because GCO will finish at the top of the league. So there's that. Um, coach of the year right now. I, I, I mean, the expectation there was was there for GCU to begin. I'm pretty sure you know Bryce Drew might get that nod, but you know, depending on where, like, let's say a California Baptist, so they finish second in the in the league standings. You know, or here's a long shot too. Depending on what Tarleton does the rest of the season. Could Joseph Jones get coach of the year despite being the active acting head coach for the Texans? So I don't know, guys. And, I, you know, freshman of the year, it was Kay Douglas was on the radar. Um, Eric Demings was on the radar, but they've kind of fallen off right now. And I don't know that we've had really any other freshmen stepping up. Maybe Braden Housley, if they consider a redshirt freshman. You know, he's been starting every game for Southern Utah. And he's played well. He's averaging double figures for Rob Jeter's crew. But freshman year, I don't know. It's kind of a mix. So Cyrus Grady, could he be there too? I don't know. I, I think um, there's a lot of question marks surrounding that freshman of the year award just because of the, the top candidates haven't been playing much. Lately. I know Kay Douglas is hurt, I believe. Eric Demi's not sure what's going on there. But uh, that'll be interesting to, to watch. So I, I don't have any for sure answers. I just know who my candidates are for certain um, awards right now. Uh, Mikey Chavez, where do you rank GCU compared to WAC teams of the last decade? 
Well, somebody asked the question, you know, has anybody started a season, you know, 19 and two, like this year's GCU squad? Uh, the only other squad to do that was the 2016-2017 GCU men's basketball team. So, I mean, they're right up there. Like, how can you not say a 19-2 team who has, a, well, it was a quad one road win at the time. It's not anymore. You know, the only thing that, and they have a win over a, a, a nationally ranked team in San Diego State, you know, I guess my only concern is the lone power conference team they played, they lost to. And so that raises maybe a slight red flag, maybe not. I don't know. It's just, it's a matchup thing for GCU. And I think they're one of the best that we've seen. You know, there was a 30 win New Mexico State team a couple of years ago um, that had four losses. Uh, their fourth loss came early January when they lost at CBU to open whack play. And then they, their next loss came in the NCAA tournament. Uh, that was to, if I remember right, that was to Auburn um, in Salt Lake City in a crazy finish. So, uh, you know, they're just a really – it's one of the best teams over the last decade. No, no the thing is they have, to, they have to cap it off with the regular season title, which they're really close to doing, and a WAC tournament title, period. Okay, it's like if they don't do either one of those, then, you know, they'll be kind of in that mix with like a Utah Valley from last year or uh, New Mexico State from a couple years ago. Like they have to do what they have. They have to finish the job. Let's just put it that way, Mikey. Um, but they're one of the greatest. Uh, it's just a matter of can one of the greatest cap off one of the greatest seasons the WAC has seen in a very, very long time. Um, so Lopes, Hoops new- Lopes Hoop News. My friend Darren asked the question, who was the last WAC team to be at 19-2 and two at this point in the season, New Mexico State, or maybe going back more than a decade? So originally I kind of read it as who was the last WAC team to have the best record going into this point. But Matt Jackson, who was part of the 2015-2016 GCU squad, raised the, you know, answered the question basically in a tweet that GCU – in 2015-2016 was 19 and 2 at this point before losing two straight. Um so that that's the team in the last decade who was at that point. Uh, New Mexico State was never at 19 and 2 in a season over the last decade, which is pretty crazy considering how many whack championships they won um and so forth. Their best was like what was it 15 and 4 or something like that. Um 18 and yeah, something 17 and 4 19 and 4 something like that. But they weren't 19-2. Now, I did respond to Darren by saying, you'll love the answer to this because it goes way back, way more than a decade. Let me tell you about the last team um, that had, well, the best record through, I want to say, 18, 19 games. 1997-98, the running Utes of the University of Utah. Started 18 and 0 before they lost on February 1st at New Mexico. They lost again on February 12th at Wyoming, but didn't lose again in the regular season. They finished it 25 and 2. They lost in the in the WAC turning to UNLV, but then they made a run, if you remember, to the final four and 
to the national title game where they lost to Rick Pitino in Kentucky. Yeah. Rick Majerus, Michael Doliak, Andre Miller, Connell Metzala. Like, that was a great team. That was back when the WAC had games on Big or uh, Big Monday and Super Tuesday, like the late night ESPN, ESPN2 games that were fantastic. Sold out Huntsman Centers, sold out Marriott Centers, sold out Arena Auditoriums. I mean, like it was some of the best basketball. Sold out Thomas and Mack Centers, right? Those were some of the best days of the whack for sure. Um, so that was the best team over the last three decades to come out of the whack. University of Utah running Utes, 1997-98. Finished regular season 25-2. and two, Lost in the whack turning to UNLV and then made a run to the NCAA tournament title game where they lost to Kentucky. So that was where I was going with it. But Matt Jackson, thank you for pointing out that it was GCU's 15-16 squad that started off 19-2 and two as well. Let's see. What other questions do we have here? Um, we're going to look through these, just going through them a little bit more. Uh, who else do we got? I know that uh, Jason Waters, my Tarleton Texan fan, um, asked me a couple questions in his tweet. Uh, he says, biggest surprise team at this point, good or bad? And then do you think the WAC will try to add any teams with all the conference realignment? So we'll start with the biggest surprise team at this point, good or bad. Honestly, that that is an easy question. Abilene Christian, men's basketball, is the biggest surprise team at this point and not for the good. Okay. You're thinking with Arian Simmons coming back, with Hunter Jack Madden coming back, with Cam Steele coming back, with Manny Allen coming back, with Ali Deba coming back. Um, a lot of, you know, and they add Aiden Gahan from DCU, a big man, you know, with size. They had Leo Betio come back. You know, they had to add a point guard, obviously, and they had to add another guy to, to kind of take over the spotlight by Tobias Cameron. But, I mean, they're three and six right now. Overall, there are three and six in whack play, eight and 12 overall. They've lost one. They beat Utah Tech pretty handily on Thursday, and then they lost at home to Southern Utah. Southern Utah, obviously, playing better. But they're right now, if the whack turn was to start tomorrow, Adeline Christian would not be in whack Vegas. Okay, they're Southern Utah would have the tiebreak over them because Southern Utah has a head head against them against the Wildcats. So that 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 there that's a team that you know hasn't lived up to what I think a lot of us thought they were going to be, especially with all the experience they had coming back. Sure, they they need a point guard to kind of guide the way, but you know, I mean, they've had a couple buzzer beater losses, so it's just one of those things. You know, they're they're a couple of minutes away from being maybe six and three instead, but you got to close games out. And, you know, the, the stretch doesn't get any easier for the Wildcats either. Um, over the next little bit, they host Tarleton on, let's see, what is that, on Thursday. Then they have a week off before going to Seattle, to Utah Valley. And then the following week, they're at UTRGB and at SFA. So they have four straight road games after a home game this week. They finish with one, two, four, 
five, six of their final 10 games in whack play. So the second half of whack play for them, six of those games are away from Moody Coliseum. And then they finish up by hosting Seattle U and Utah Valley. That's my surprise team for the bad. The surprise team for the good, uh, I mean, we'll go to your team, Mr. Waters. Carlton right now, 6-3 and three in whack play, 13-7 uh, overall. They've done it all without. Well. Uh, sorry, guys. My phone was ringing. I don't know why my call came through. I'm on my computer. So, anyways. Um, but 6-3 and three in whack play in second place, tied with California Baptist, 13-7 overall. Um, and they've done it all with acting head coach Joseph Jones, right? Like, Billy Gillespie's been out since late November before they went to California for the SoCal Challenge. So, um, Joseph Jones done a fantastic job. They have Corey Smith, Lou Williams, Keandre Gaddy, uh, Devin Barnes, you know, Emmanuel Innocente, you know, that have played well. Um you know, they lost at home the other night to Southern Utah. Southern Utah just finally figured out how to play defense, which was kind of shocking. But, um, you know, then they come back with a big win over Utah Tech. So, Tarleton, one of those surprise teams. California Baptist, kind of a surprise team, but not really because, you know, they had Hunter Goodrick, they had Yvonne Udrago. Udrago. God, I say that wrong every time. I have to get Braden Bell to kind of come on and. Talk to me about it. But, um, you know, they, they played well. Dominic Daniels Jr., like I said, is a player of the year candidate easily right now. Um, you know, and they've shot the ball better here over this five-game win streak. And they go home where they host Seattle U on Saturday in the lone game for the Red or for the Lancers this week uh, before hosting UT Arlington on the 8th. And then going back to Utah Tech on February 10th for that ball game. So, anyways, that it'll it should be interesting. We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, right now the bad team, ACU, the good teams, CBU and Tarleton. Tarleton a little ahead of CBU, even though CBU has beat them head to head. So uh there you have it. Those are the questions I believe I got. But uh, everybody, remember, subscribe to the Wackoops Nation Substack page, wackoopsnation.substack.com. Also, make sure if you want to get tickets to a ball game, to a concert, to a play, anything like that, go through SeatGeek, download the app, and then in your first purchase, use Wackoops Nation to get $20 off your order of $50 or more. Anyways, guys, appreciate the support. Appreciate the love. This league continues to get better. We are going to be doing more podcast episodes. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, we will have podcast episodes. Thursday and Saturday, we are now going to do live streams, whether that's prior to games or after games. It just depends on my little guy's junior jazz schedule and how that all works out. But uh, stick with us. We're going to have some fun. Uh, we will do the live streams on YouTube, uh, on Twitter, and on Facebook. So just make sure you subscribe to the Wack Hoops Nation YouTube page. Anyways, guys, appreciate you. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode of the Straight Out Wack Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Straight Out Wack Podcast. 
You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcasting platforms. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Remember to follow Wack Hoops Nation on all your favorite social media platforms.